This is Fine Rambles, number 73. I'm starting to think that even more than a post-truth world, we're living in in a non-truth world. And what I mean by that is, how can I put this? It's not a lie, but it's a perversion of the truth. You know, the way I think about this is I think about activists. (laughs) Because activists are essentially experts in telling one side of the truth very forcefully. You start to see this in, you know, feminist activists or in Black Lives Matter activists or in, in trans activists, where they're so vociferous on insisting that the only truth is their truth, that they hurt the group they claim to represent. And so, in a way, these activists are the worst enemies of the groups they claim to be representing. Let's start there. Activists pretend to represent a certain group, but they don't. That is simply a fiction that they state that has no grounding in fact. I mean, I can tell you, as a Jew, I don't consider anyone who says I speak for the Jews to have any legitimacy at all. The Jews, just like women, or can't even believe I have to say this, the Jews, just like women or black people or trans people, are very diverse. You know, the old joke is you put two Jews in a room, you're going to have three opinions. And I think that's pretty common across groups that these identity politics activists try to all cram into the same little box. And so if that group is diverse, and if this inalterable characteristic is the only way that we're allowed to think about that group, that is enormously anti-human. It's enormously reductive. If you meet someone and you say, oh, that's a lesbian, or that's a black person, that's identity politics. But that's what the activists want us to do. They want us to see people as being only a single trait, because that's how they make their money. They're essentially grifters trying to exploit a group of people that they say they represent when they don't. And then the other thing the activists do is that they, and this is really messed up, but activists benefit when the group they claim to represent is seen as the victim or as the oppressed. So it's against the interest of the activist for positive things to happen to that group. Activists don't want things to get better. They are interested only in profiting personally from guilt-mongering. And if their actions increase the division and the prejudice in society, that's what they want. That helps them. They benefit from division. They profit from creating hatred. They know how to tear down, but they have nothing to build. (laughs) The modern mob persecutes for a doctrine without even stating what what that doctrine is. We're marching for X. We're fighting for Y. We're destroying you for Z. But the X, Y, and Z is, isn't there. 
It doesn't exist. For example, they claim to be progressives, but what are they progressing towards? Well, they say it's diversity. No, but they're, they hate diversity. They don't believe in diversity of thought. They don't believe in diversity of experience. It's simply a diversity of immutable characteristics. That's not real diversity. They say, oh, we're for inclusion. No, they're against inclusion. They're the most radical exclusionaries there are. Because if you want to be included, you have to agree with them 100% of the time. And that's impossible because what they believe changes every five minutes. And so it ends up becoming this very elite club who gets the memo first that this term is now not acceptable or this hand, <laughs> this hand gesture is no longer acceptable or this joke is no longer acceptable. And you see who the inner party is and the out- outer party by how quickly the new religious doctrine gets to them. What, what else do they say? They say, oh, we're for equity. No, they're not for equity. I mean, equity is, is, is equality of outcome. I mean, these are now explicitly supremacist philosophies. There's no there there. And, you know, sometimes I think that's hard to see from the outside. But when you get, like, okay, here's an example, right? So you have LGBT. You're seeing that coalition fragment and go to civil war because they're realizing that they don't have the same beliefs. They don't have the same values. The L's and the G's don't get along. And the L's and the B's definitely don't get along. And the B's and the T's, I mean, those are fundamentally inconsistent philosophies. The trans say that sex is not binary, and then you have people who say we're bisexual. <laughs> That's the irresistible force meeting the, the uh, immovable object. And it's even worse with the gay and the trans, because the trans essentially say to the gays, no, you're not a gay man. You're just a woman trapped in a man's body. And so they're denying, they're denying that homosexuality exists at some level. And it gets worse. I mean, feminism is essentially a war of women against women. The shaming that a stay-at-home mom gets is, it's out of control. The idea that a woman would want to help raise a family and build a home rather than work for some anonymous corporation is, is seen as a betrayal by a lot of modern feminists. And then you have, well, you have feminists versus the trans, And here, it's a war. And again, the feminists say, a woman is a woman, and therefore you can't be born into the wrong body. This inconsistency doesn't limit itself just to LGBT. It's in every part of the radical leftist ethos. Multiculturalism and gay rights don't gel. Again, you have the same issue, the same conflict between multiculturalism and women's rights between multiculturalism and the rights of ethnic minorities, of the rights of Uyghurs and the Rohingya, or the Jews, or, or the Druze, or just human rights. Multiculturalism, well, it's just wrong, but it's not the worst thing. The absolute nadir of this nadir, nadir, I'm not sure if I can pronounce that right, the bottom, the very bottom, <laughs> as bad as it gets, 
As bad as it gets in this intolerant, anti-humanist religion is intersectionality, which says you're not just one immutable characteristic, you're the sum total of all your immutable characteristics. And so intersectionality doesn't just set group against group. It sets every human being against every other human being. Intersectionality desires a war of all against all, with no survivors. <laughs> if someone is an intersectionalist, they want violence. They desire genocide. They are genocidal. They want to watch the world burn. You know, I listen to myself talk, and I bet if someone who is a, quote, woke leftist, unquote, heard me talk, that they would say I was attacking people. But that's just the leftist projecting their own hatred of others onto me. Because what is a leftist? It's someone who can't separate a person from their ideas. And it's, it's even worse than that, actually. Because here's what they demand. They demand that the person and the person's ideas must be totally aligned. They must both be decided by that person's identity as defined by an immutable characteristic. To a leftist, all women are the same. You think you're an individual? No, you're a woman. Here is the list of what you must believe. And if you don't believe what we tell you a woman has to believe, you will be destroyed. It's heresy. It's worse than heresy. It's, it's treason. It's punishable by ostracism. Ostracism? God, I can't talk today. It's punishable by being ostracized <laughs> by, by exile. There, I can say that word. Exile. You will be canceled. And it's the same if you're, if you're black. Here's the list of what black people have to believe. And you better check every goddamn box on that list. You'd better agree right down the line. One of the, one of the freshman congresswomen, I forget her name, said, said this explicitly a couple of weeks ago. She said, and I'm paraphrasing, I don't have the line in front of me, but she said something like, there's no room for a black person who doesn't speak with a black voice. I mean, that is totalitarianism. That is tyranny. That is terrifying. As a Jew, if someone came to me and said, you're a Jew, you have to speak with a Jewish voice, I'd say, get the fuck out of here. I'm going to speak with my voice. And I'm going to speak stupidly a lot of the time because I'm figuring things out. But at least, but at least I try to separate a person from their ideas. An idea an idea can be an invading virus. You, you're not your strep. <laughs> and I think that's the whole point. I mean, Sam Harris talks about this all the time. We should be attacking ideas relentlessly. Whether they're good or bad, we should be attacking all of them. Because only an idea that's attacked can really be understood. And if it's worth a goddamn. So I think it's good to attack ideas. But not people. Don't attack people. I like people. And, you know, here's something, again, I don't think the left understands because they're so humorless. But part of being friends with someone 
is poking fun at their ideas. <laughs> Actually, the people I rag on the most, those are my closest friends. We, we josh each other. We bust each other's balls. We try to top each other's insults more creatively. And yet, in woke culture, making fun of people for any reason is verboten. <laughs> it's forbidden. Makes me wonder if they actually have friends. Do leftists have friends, or do they only have allies? It must be a very sterile form of relationship. You know, ah, ah, good to see you, comrade. I support your efforts to destroy people who disagree with you. It's like a communist committee meeting. It's dull. It's boring. It's humorless. I know this has been way too long, but I want to end with one final idea. I think a lot of the current problems trace back to this quarrel that's been going on over nature versus nurture, which is, you know, it's sort of biology versus culture. And, you know, it's such a weird fight, as though those things weren't inexorably linked. The rule of biology is evolution. The rule of culture is evolution. They both evolve. And biology preceded culture. And that means culture emerges from biology. That seems pretty clear to me. You know, push back if you think I'm wrong. But what this means is that nature and nurture should align. A healthy society will teach the values that are biologically robust. And if nature and nurture don't align, that's going to cause an inordinate amount of trouble. And that's what I think we're starting to see now. Because we've pretty much dismantled traditional culture completely. And there was a lot there that deserved to be gotten rid of. But I guess to use a cliche, we're starting to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Because that baby, the baby of the baby of evolved culture, its rules are grounded in biological truths. And the radical leftists don't seem to understand that you can't remake man in the image that you want. That there's a fundamental disconnect between what is and what you want to be. And if you try to impose what you want to be onto what is, well, that's like what Taleb talks about with the bed of Procrustes, where if the man doesn't fit the bed, you cut off the man's feet or you stretch him until he does fit the bed perfectly. When it's the bed that has to change. And again, I think we're seeing the consequences of trying to warp and distort and twist man to fit the top-down utopian ideology of the radical left. We're out of sync with reality. That's all I've got. I'll catch you next week.